everybody who knows me is going to roll their eyes when I say that I would love to see a James Bond film directed by... I think I know where you're going with that. He's talked it already. <laughs> <laughs> To recommend you for a special program, Bond. What you've said so far is just pretty going to be a well thought out character arc already. Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Build a Bond podcast. My name is Stuart Morrison. Please welcome my co host. Love is required whenever he's hired. It's Fraser MacArthur. Hey, 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 hey. How's it going? Yeah, not too bad, thank you. How are you doing? Yeah, I'm very well, thank you. Yeah, good. I um, have been very excited in anticipation for recording this episode. Yes, it's, uh, I'm looking forward to seeing what our, our special guest picks this week. Well, funny you should mention that. This is just a little disclaimer here for the audience um, <laughs> listening at home. We have actually already recorded the episode or the main bulk of the episode were just it was the very first one that we did in the series and uh, somehow it's ended up um further down in the first episode so we were just kind of figuring out the format and stuff so um this is why we're, we're recording the intro now yeah this is a little bit of behind the scenes insight into what goes on in the in build a bond headquarters this was a uh, yeah, the first one we recorded, it was an amazing, or is an amazing episode, but we're just going back now and doing a, a little bit of admin to make sure the format matches up with all the other episodes you've been enjoying so far. It is an amazing episode, but it's probably our most specific Bond film that we've got in the series, I think. Yeah, I mean, I don't, I'm, I'm anxious not to give away any spoilers, but it really was a great start for us. It made us reassured us that it was a, it, the concept was great and that, that our guests were going to have loads of fun doing it and that we were going to enjoy doing it as well so uh, i'm excited to to put this out there and, and let everyone hear what a first attempt sounded like yeah i know that you have made a wee visit to q branch since the recording of that episode and sorted yourself out with a new microphone am i right yes you might notice as you listen to this my voice sounds a little bit different uh, i have made a major investment in i think a 20 pound microphone <laughs> that i've attached to my laptop and i hope you agree it's made a dramatic difference to the recording so uh, it does sound a little bit different but it's uh, i hope it doesn't take away from what was a great episode yeah absolutely fraser before we get into it i'm sure many of our listeners are familiar with the format but what is it that we're going to be doing on build a bond well i'm glad you asked sure the format of this podcast, Build the Bond, is that we will bring on a very special guest every episode to craft their fantasy James Bond film. And they'll do that by casting James Bond, a co-star, or what's traditionally at the Bond girl role. It doesn't have to be a girl, it doesn't have to be a love interest, it can be any kind of co-star. We'll also cast a villain, and they'll pick a director to make the film themselves, and they'll pick someone to sing the theme tune and there's also a wee section at the end that we call the AOBs the any other bonds where we where they can pick any other henchman or who's going to write the film or do action sequences and stuff they're going to have in there you know it all makes for some little extras that that make their film into something quite special yeah you're absolutely right that's the main areas and this is build a bond 
We say it every week, but we'll reinforce it again. There are absolutely no rules. The special guests can pick whatever they want. It doesn't have to make sense. doesn't have to be logical. They can make a Bond film that they think will be a huge success. They can make a Bond film that they think is just for them to watch. Or they can do anything. And I think you'll uh, agree once you listen that, that that's something that our special guest this week has really taken to heart and has really embraced the no rules part of Build a Bond. Absolutely, yeah. No rules, no budget, no diva actors that don't want to do the part. Everything is possible here. Exactly. Before we get into it, Fraser, mm. I have a little question for you. A question? A trivia question, not a personal question. Oh, okay, good. <laughs> so I mentioned, yeah, they, they can make a, a Bond film however they want, either to make it wildly successful or whether they want it just to be a niche indie film. But I was wondering if you know, what are the three highest grossing Bond films? Now, to make it fair, and you know, a lot of modern films make a lot more money than perhaps films did in the past. So I want you to answer it with those highest grossing figures adjusted for inflation. So what are, the three, inflation. Yeah, what are the three highest grossing Bond films adjusted for inflation? Okay. And we're talking worldwide? Are we talking UK, US? Worldwide. Worldwide. Because, of course, James Bond is a worldwide man himself, isn't he? Absolutely, yeah. Mr. Worldwide, in fact. <laughs> Wasn't that... Um, what, who is it again? The guy, the bald guy with the sunglasses? Yeah, Pitbull. Pitbull, yeah. 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 <laughs> and will he be doing the theme song this week? <laughs> I'll be thinking about the three highest-grossing worldwide James Bond films adjusted for inflation uh, throughout the course of this episode. Um yeah. That we, that we haven't already recorded. That we haven't, clearly haven't already recorded. This is unfair, actually, because... Yeah, you've got no time at all to do this. <laughs> right. Well, let's go on with the episode then. We'll welcome in our guest and we'll see how it goes. Yeah, I hope you enjoy the episode. We enjoyed making it and uh, we'll see you in the outro. Joining us today on the show on our initiation mission, we've got a south side of Glasgow radio host, the local radio host, who also happens to be a very, very good friend of mine. Um, he's known affectionately by his friends as Rob, Bobby, Bert, Bob, Roberto. He's so good, they named him one, two, three, four, five, six times, Robert Anderson. <laughs> Welcome to the show, Robert. How are you? I'm great, yeah. Thank you very much for having me on. Um, I remember the day that I told you that you weren't the first person to call me Bert and you were absolutely devastated. I know. That was quite a, a blow to take. Disappointed. <laughs> I thought I was trying to be unique in that, but, you know, I, can, I, can't, t- I can't call you Roberto. I can't take it seriously if I call you Roberto. <laughs> I'll tell you what it is. It's the anticipation when other people have spoken about me people who I haven't met and they say Roberto and then people are expecting some well-traveled Italian person to turn up on their doorstep and they just they just get they just get a little old me. <laughs> I guess I'm in that situation because we've never met but but Fraser's told me a lot about you I guess so he's referred to you as, as Bert to me so I was anticipating kind of I don't know I guess an elderly old man <laughs> to, to come on. <laughs> well thanks very much uh Robert, Roberto, Bert, thanks very much for, for coming on the show. I think um, Fraser set the bar really high for introductions there, so I hope all the other guests are going to get just the, get the same treatment anyway. I know, I'm, I'm honoured. I'm honoured with that introduction. <laughs> <laughs> just to 
uh, to set the scene a little bit, I suppose, we are recording this over Zoom. We are still in lockdown at the moment. I'm up in Aberdeen, Fraser is down in Glasgow, and Robert, I think you're in Glasgow as well, is that right? Glasgow as well, yeah. Uh, and I've just noticed on screen there, viewers or listeners won't be able to see that, but Fraser has just taken quite a considerable swig of what looks like a martini. It's actually uh, not a martini, it's a Vesper. Really? You know it's not very nice. <laughs> Can you explain the difference between a martini and a Vesper? Um, no, I cannot. I've also put together myself a, a vodka martini. And I believe the difference is mine's got vodka and I think Fraz, yours will have gin. Is that right? It does have gin, yeah. Yeah, so I think the Vesper is gin and the normal one is just vodka. I've had mine shaken not stirred. But unfortunately, I don't have a cocktail shaker, so I had to shake it in a jam jar, an old jam jar I had, which is not very Bond, I don't think. But, you know, also Bond, you know, he makes use of what he's got available to him. So in that sense, a little bit of Bond. That's very pretty resourceful, I think. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I think, I think the old school MI6 agents would be proud. <laughs> How did you get the lemon peels? Yours kind of, because it's supposed to be like a kind of swirl, right? Yeah. Mine, mine is just like chunks because I couldn't get the swirl to work. Yeah. I didn't think yeah. about that. Your lemon is very impressive, Fraser. Well, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> well, I didn't go to any such lengths to, to make a drink. I just opened a can. So I, I feel like George, George Lazenby would like a can. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so you know your stuff, Bert. You know, you know your bond. We've had many conversations. Uh, I would say I don't know my bond as well as you do, Fraser. I have never actually watched any Timothy Dalton Bond films, which okay. is something that I'm not proud to admit. But I have seen On Her Majesty's Secret Service, so I feel like that's one of the least seen ones. So I've got that going for me. What was your first, like, do you remember your first kind of introduction to Bond, the first film you saw that really started? I do, yeah. Um, yeah. So my mum and dad have had a family friend in Edinburgh that we quite often go and visit. And when I was young enough to just be crawling about the floor, I could keep myself fairly occupied. But I think when I got to that age where I was getting a little bit bored of seeing my um, parents' friends and listening to all their grown-up talk, um, he presented to me a uh, wrapped in the cellophane VHS copy of The World Is Not Enough and said, there's a gigantic TV in my bedroom that in and watch that and I just sat and watched The World Is Not Enough for the first time on this gigantic screen and then at the end of the afternoon he said you take that home you keep that and I got to keep it forever. The World Is Not Enough of course uh, has my very favourite line from a Bond film very pertinent this time of year of course it being Christmas. I thought Christmas only came once a year. <laughs> I, knew you, I knew you were going to say that. <laughs> it's disgusting, isn't it? It's it's horrible. The the implication. It's you know. It's really, it's really not on. <laughs> Especially because of how modern it is, and they were still trying to get away with that stuff. Yeah, um, it's it's pretty gross. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's not bad for, for our first one though. There's much, you know. I wouldn't say it's a classic, but there's definitely uh, much worse ones out there. What were your guys' first Bond film? I think my first Bond film was Goldeneye. 
if I remember right. And and much similar to yourself, it would have been on VHS and it would have been borrowed from some far-flung family member. But it was, I mean, GoldenEye is quite a unique one. It, it's it's kind of held up with such high regard and I loved it. And I, and I, I still watch it back today and yeah, there's some cheesy bits and yeah, there's some silly bits, but it's great. It's, it's a great fun film. It's a little bit edgier yeah. than the rest of Pierce Brosnan's ones as well, isn't it? It's got a bit of a bit of grit to it. Yeah. Yeah. Also, like with the end of the Cold War and all that sort of stuff, it's kind of like a bit of a reinvention of of a Bond and about like how outdated he is as a concept and stuff. Uh, I, I I like it as well. I like it. I know what you mean. It is quite silly. I'm quite. I you know. I like Pierce Brosnan full stop so and that's in my view that's his best one as well so so Robert I guess we're gonna get into it and no more foreplay yeah no no more no more foreplay straight into it we're gonna ask you um and hopefully you've had a chance to think about this we're gonna ask you who you want to play Bond who you want to play Bond's co-star slash love interest who you want to play the villain who you want to direct the whole film uh and then who you want to do the theme song and as well, you know, you can add anything else you want into that as well. You'd be, you know, if you've, if you've got any preference for henchmen, for locations, for gadgets, you know, this is, this is your dream Bond film. I've done some work. But Love my that. One, my one uh, request is that I do director first because it kind of sets up all my okay. other choices. I would say my other decisions don't really make sense without knowing who the director is. It would be a good jumping off, off point. Is it Tim Burton oh, and Johnny Depp as James Bond? Oh, I wish I'd thought of that. <laughs> <laughs> Helena Bonham Carter is the, is the Bond girl, obviously. Maybe Helena yeah. Bonham Carter could be Bond. I, yeah, I think she would. Uh, she's so good. Any any role she plays, I love her. She's really, really good. I, I would yeah. I would probably put her more as in, in the villain camp, but then I think maybe she would hate being typecast like that because she quite often plays these kind of villain characters. Yeah. <laughs> You've teed it up perfectly. Tell us who you want to direct your dream Bond film. Shall, shall I just jump in? Yeah. Okay, so if you'd asked me a year ago, I think I would have automatically have said Christopher Nolan. But we mm. kind of got to see what his Bond film would look like this year anyway, so I just pushed that to the side. So everybody who knows me is going to roll their eyes when I say that I would love to see a James Bond film directed by Wes Anderson. Oh, wow. Now, I would say Wes Anderson's one of my favorite directors. I love his films. I love, you know, everything about the way he makes movies. I would not have picked him for a Bond director, though. <laughs> Where I thought this could work, and it's all, it's all about location. Location is the main selling point of a Wes Anderson Bond film. So you yeah. take films like The Royal Tenenbaums, you take um, Grand Budapest Hotel, and it's all about that big big building, I'm thinking about all you know, all the little windows that you can see and all the various characters you can get. And I thought Carefully symmetrical. Why not do Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I thought, why not do a James Bond film set when he's a teenager in Eton in a large boarding school? And oh. that can be the entire setting. Nice. I'm thinking, you know, if it's gonna be Wes Anderson, it's gonna be like a kind of comedic style, you know, there's going to be a bit more of the Roger Moore's about it, a little bit more tongue-in-cheek style stuff. But then if you set it up as a, <laughs> a sort of Batman Begins when he's in Eton, I suppose there's like, there's a kind of, yeah, there's a chance 
for it to be a bit more dark, a bit more sinister. It's an interesting choice. I've never, I've never thought about the sort of teenage aspect of Bond as well. There are those young Bond books, isn't there? But I've never read any of them. I've never kind of considered that as big screen fodder. I read a couple of them in school, and I remember them being quite good, but I cannot, I cannot tell you what happened in it. <laughs> I remember something. About, I remember reading them again, yeah, when I was pretty young, but I could, I, couldn't tell you anything about them. they were obviously not very memorable because I, I can't I mean I, I don't want to start a feud with, with the author <laughs> I also enjoyed them as a kid Stuart the author is our next guest I know, I know I hope we never I didn't I didn't mean to start a feud we'd love that we'd love to have you on cool. yeah it's okay so yeah tell a bit more about Wes Anderson what's um is it just because he's got the same surname as you or <laughs> it was really just I think when you came to me with this idea I thought it would be fun to think of like sort of auteurs I guess directors that are quite known for their style I guess when Sam Mendes came and did Skyfall even though it was a very sort of had a big James Bond feel to it it was a bit more it was a bit more layered it was a bit more sensitive there was a bit more depth to it than than maybe previous outings and I thought that seemed like a like a very Sam Mendes film like he clearly had a lot of say as to where it was going and I thought a bit about obviously Danny Boyle left for No Time to Die and how good that would have been to see his version and then I just tried to think of other directors that maybe have like a strong impact on style and that he was just the the first person that popped into my head and then I couldn't stop envisaging what Wes Anderson <laughs> I love, Yeah, so, I love that pick. I, I, I imagined we'd have a lot when we did this podcast. A lot of, yeah, a lot of Danny Boyles, no doubt. A lot of, you know, I guess directors you might expect to do to do a Bond, but Wes Anderson, out the blocks. It's pretty out there. <laughs> so presumably you're, you're, you're uh, it's, it's going to be a teenager who plays Bond, right? It's going to be you, you, you mentioned you're setting it in, in Eton, so it's going to be a, a young actor, presumably. I went for somebody who was sort of in their 20s. I mean, the, the people who I've gone for are probably a bit too old. Um, but maybe maybe we can well, make them look younger. I don't know. Just to, <laughs> I mean, just to, to clarify, this is the dream bond you're designing. So you can pick any actor at any age. So they may be in their 40s now, but you can pick them when they were in, when they were a teenager. Oh, you're right. I didn't even think about that. The people who I thought of who were very Wes Anderson or had done a lot of sort of indie kind of like quite um, movies like that, I had Timothy Chalamet. <laughs> nice. And I had um, Craig Roberts and I also had uh, Will, Will Poulter. Oh, Potential. nice. Potential preppy young James Bonds. Yeah, I guess I, I'm not familiar. Who was the, the second one you, you mentioned? Uh, Craig Roberts. He was the um, lead actor in Submarine. And ah, okay, yeah. Has been in. He was in a show that I watched called Red Oaks as well, which was quite good. I mean, you know, I mean correct me if I'm wrong. You know, this is your film, but you're kind of this is not Bond, hard as nails character from birth. He, you know he's got some he's got some changes to go through before he becomes you know 007 with any of those three actors anyway he's got some lessons to learn before he yeah. becomes the the hard knocks guy that we know and love 
Well, Timothy Chalamet, I mean, he can do emotion. He can do real, raw emotion. That would be good. I thought he was good for Moody, Moody Schoolboy. Hmm. Sort of big, long emo fringe. Doesn't really want much <laughs> else to do with the world. <laughs> <laughs> the way you've described it so far, I'm, I'm, in my head, I'm picturing um, Prince Charles in the crown. His, like, um, I, I can't remember the actor who portrays him in his younger days. Oh yeah, Sorry, yeah, that yeah. Vibe. I'm, yeah. I'm getting that vibe off it a little bit. That was spot on. So that's three. Yeah. You've you've made you've named three there. Yeah. Are those your picks? Or We're gonna have to. One, are one of them your picks, or have you? We're gonna have to got someone gonna have else. To pick someone. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go for Timothy Chalamet. That seemed to go down. That seemed to go down quite well. So we'll set. We'll settle on that. Timothy Chalamet. Brilliant. Also appearing in the French Dispatch. So we'll also so he is. have a relationship with a director already, which will yeah the production hopefully run very smoothly. If it's Wes Anderson, presumably there's going to be a pretty big ensemble cast, but we'll focus on just the main ones for now. <laughs> Who are you going to have uh, playing the the traditional kind of Bond girl love interest kind of role alongside Timothy? So I took a, I took a bit of a spin on this. And okay. this sort of, um, this answers two, two questions. You've got Timothy Chalamet Bond and he becomes very close with... Um, with a female classmate, um, let's call her Ma- Mallory. That could be that could be a name. Mallory. Um, uh, Matt Mallory. I was, I was expecting you to go for a sort of uh, a pussy galore style innuendo <laughs> name there. Oh yeah, I missed that trip. But it's all it's all part of the part of the final plan. So I uh, think I know where you're going. Yeah, talked it already. <laughs> 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 so Mallory is somebody that is chum, chums along with Bond. They've got a very, very close friendship. It's not so much like flirty and sort of. Um, it's not. It's not so much flirty. It's more like a best, a best friend. They help. They help each other out. Maybe boss each other around a little bit. Slag each other off. Mallory is a very bookish, smart person. Um, out of all the class. Um, she takes her work very seriously. She's very formal, and she brings along one of those little desk name things um, that you would have. Maybe I don't know if you're in a, you know, like you're a manager, an executive, a lawyer, or something like that. Something to put on your desk mm-hmm. so that you know who you are. So it's got her surname on it. Let's say I don't know. Let's just because it's Bond. Let's just say Windsor, something like that. So it's Mallory got Windsor. Windsor. So I'm thinking that the big reveal for who Mallory really is, when everybody thinks that she's the Bond girl, at some point throughout the film, there's going to be a bit of a, a bit of a tussle, you know, with maybe some henchmen, maybe some big school, school bullies that we've got along. <laughs> um, and Mallory's going to defend herself with her desk name, and she's going to hold it up, and it's going to crack in two. And then when she puts it down on the table... All that's left is the letter M. I knew it. <laughs> Brilliant. Iconic scene that's going to be. <laughs> so I thought, you know, in Eton, there's going to be, there's going to be coat of arms put on the walls somewhere with big swords, like Die Another Day kind of style. Someone's going to pull that out of the wall at some point and try and have a fight. And it's going to go Madonna, through that maybe. desk. 
and reveal that Mallory's not really a Bond girl, but is in fact the boss. Bond's boss. See, I, I knew you were on, on that road because isn't, Ma, isn't M's name Mallory in... Yeah, I thought what you were going to say was oh, that... Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I thought I thought you were gonna say Mallory was a surname, and then the Mallory that we know from the from Skyfall Inspector is like, I guess Our the dad. father or the son. I'm trying to think of the timeline how it would work. <laughs> Basically, I should have said Miranda. Mm. Yeah, that was or just any, just any. Hello, any M. Yeah, I guess it would work. <laughs> and I suppose you can't have because this is presumably going to be a pretty young person. You can't have some ridiculous like. You know, <laughs> Plenty O'Toole or something like that is, is their name as a kid. So Judy Dench isn't coming back to play her, I'm assuming. No, this M is going to be Zendaya. Oh, okay. Zendaya. She's quite on, on a bit of a trajectory at the moment. She's absolutely killing it. Yeah, well, that was that was my whole thinking. You know, get someone trendy in. Get the... and that's, I mean, that's both. Yeah, yeah. you've got two... Two actors kind of, you know, at the peak or at the start of what, you know, looks like a really upward tra trajectory. Forgive my ignorance, but is Zendaya, is she American or is she British? I think she's American. Did you deliberately go for an American choice? I did not. I just thought that, um, I'll tell you what it was. It was her character from the Spider-Man films, I guess. Like when I was thinking about somebody that could be seen as a sort of relationship and a sort of best friend, that mm. was the sort of vibe I was thinking, and she just seemed to to slot quite well into that. Mm. Would you have her play American or, you know, an Eton kind of public school? That'd be something we could try. We could definitely try both of those in the in the audition room, can we? <laughs> what would Wes Anderson do? He'd probably just um, not sign on from a film. <laughs> <laughs> he tends to, like, regardless of wh wherever the setting is for his films, he'll just have them do whatever their accent is. Like in Isle of Dogs, they'll just have, like, American accents or, like, Fantastic Mr. Fox, none of them are, like, British or anything. That's totally yeah, true, yeah. Really... So everybody their natural, natural accent. Yeah, he doesn't really go for, for doing accents or anything. I don't know if you've seen Euphoria, but a really, really strong performance in that um Again, very emotional, very sort of withheld, I suppose, kind of unexploded bomb. That could that could suit that could suit M and potential. Well, is there any romance? I decided I decided no. I decided like the sort of tease of that being the romance and twisting it into mm. the the M conclusion was the road I was gonna I was gonna go down. Maybe there's like an implication at the start, but yeah. Yeah. Ultimately, yeah. I was I'm very, very yeah. much inspired by the the money penny reveal in Skyfall. That was yeah. That was what I wanted from. Yeah, so presumably it's going to take place. Judging what you said so far, but it's going to take place mostly kind of in and around Ethan. Are you going to have a yeah? Presumably a villain of some sort. Is it going to be a kid? Is it going to be a teacher? Is it going to be someone else? Totally. I'm I'm really actually intrigued to find out what you've said so far. Is this probably going to be a well thought out character arc already? <laughs> I hope so anyway um, so yeah there's some options for villains um, that I've mentioned somebody already for um, to potentially play Bond who could also be a villain 
and that mm-hmm. is Will Poulter, I thought could be a good, strong, sort of posh school bully who doesn't like this sort of off-the-beaten-track James Bond who tries to do his own thing and doesn't fit in with the rest of the school. Um, and he could be walking thuggishly around with his overly-sized school bullies who protect him every, mm-hmm. every step of the way. I also thought, because of the classic Wes Anderson ensemble cast, which you've already mentioned, that uh, a downtrodden, looked-over janitor played by Willem Dafoe <laughs> could be quite interesting. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Zides in the basement, maybe one of the... Uh, Maybe one of the tortures he could do to Bond is playing with the the heating pipes, heating up one of the rooms where it's locked so that he, he suffocates. <laughs> I really like lo-fi Goldfinger. <laughs> and his sort of creepy overalls. I think, yeah, you definitely can go either way. I was When you were describing like Will Poulter's character, I obviously immediately thought Draco Malfoy was my first, like, yeah. First, first thought. I, I kind of a school kid like a rival. That's another option. Yeah, Tom. It's Tom Felton, isn't it? Mm. Is that right. Yeah. Yes, that's right. Yeah. And if we could take him from any age, I guess we could just pluck him straight out of the Prisoner of Azkaban. And... I actually, uh, I watched all of the the Harry Potter films start to finish kind of recently, last like month or so. And he he's the Draco Malfoy character, really really good. Especially in Half Blood Prince, he's really good. Mm. Comes yeah. Into- I mean, also, he'd be raging about being typecast again. It's basically the same character. (laughs) (laughs) In a boarding school as well. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Again. (laughs) This one, the full character, I'm kind of intrigued by. Again, not to make a Harry Potter comparison, but it's like the janitor in Harry Potter. (laughs) Have I just accidentally made... Have you just yeah, written a Harry Potter film? <laughs> it does seem like that, doesn't it? <laughs> Willem Dafoe's a scary guy, though, isn't he? Like, yeah. He's a villain. Well, Green Goblin's so. scary. Like the Wes Anderson films I was thinking of in particular were when he plays as the voice for the rat in Fantastic Mr. Fox, who oh, hides in amongst all the cider jars. And then mm. um, and Budapest, when I don't know, he's like some sort of henchman sort of assassin yeah. on his wee motorbike he, he would be like one of the if you if he was to play a bond he would be one of the like the most genuinely scary bond villains i don't think there's yeah. really that many bond villains who are actually like would keep you up at night you'd be scared of them <laughs> you would. I, can't, I can't think of any off top of my head javier bardem was pretty scary okay uh, yeah rosa kleb in rosa rosa Club. Club, yeah Pretty scary. I watched that when I was quite young as well, so she <laughs> find that pretty scary. Rosa Club just makes you question every granny that you see shopping in WH Smith with those shoes on. I know having a look yeah. at her shoes, being like, "Where's the knife? Where's the knife?" I think I'm gonna go. I think I'm gonna go with Will Poulter as the main school villain because I think that he needs a villain his own age. Mm-hmm. But Will Poulter will take advantage of the insecurities of the janitor played by Willem Dafoe and use him for his own gains. Because I think this I think this villain's gonna be pretty smart. He's gonna have like a politician daddy somewhere who's taught him the yeah. of influencing people and he knows how to knows how to get his own way. I hate him already. I know I'm already raging with this guy. 
thing like Riot Club. That's the kind yes. of thing. Yes. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> this is, I, I'm, you know, these picks, I'm really loving this film. Amazing. Good, well, it's going well so far. Don't ruin it now. Yeah. <laughs> the next category, we've done a lot of the film side of things. For me, one of the most important parts of a Bond film is the theme song. It's, it's a make or break for me, whether or not it's a good theme song. I struggled here. Yeah. So I'm going to try and I'm going to sell it to you. Hopefully. Okay. <laughs> you're going so, to sing it to us, did you say? I'm going to sell it to you. <laughs> I can't sing anything, you know, because I haven't written a song. But <laughs> when thinking about the theme song, I started thinking about classic Wes Anderson styles. And I'm thinking we strip it back. We underproduce it. We have maybe an up-and-coming indie band, maybe an acoustic act. We're going to do quite a little sort of fun quirky song for us all to just nod our heads and smile along to mm. um Very there's that one of the, <laughs> one of the, <laughs> one of the <laughs> i thought maybe noah and the whale would be a good choice as well <laughs> oh, wow <Yeah. laughs> but i wasn't too i wasn't too set on that i thought that kind of wasn't so great where where i decided to jump off of with the theme song was the intro as a whole and how mm. that title sequence could potentially tell us a bit about the film and a bit of the story. So I, th- <laughs> I was thinking again about Fantastic Mr. Fox and um, Steve Zizou and Grand Hood Budapest and just the various types of animation that Wes Anderson has used and especially like the kind of, I guess this is more prominent in Grand Budapest, the sort of storybook kind of landscape exterior shots that he does of places that almost look like paintings or drawings Mm. and I thought it could be quite funny to use animation like that to tell a bit of a story in between the opening scene and the rest of the film so in order to explain that I'll explain a little bit about my opening intro where we see James Bond at home Um, we maybe see his parents running around his mum and dad in the sort of style like maybe like tom and jerry style where we only see their like feet to their knees yeah we know we know we know that they're adults we're, we're seeing <laughs> it from james bond's perspective his parents aren't really fully fledged people um, and they're packing to go on on holiday and he's being left at home alone at a very young age um cut to the opening song and we have a storybook that opens and there's little you know pulley bits and tags and it's a pop-up book and we see such things as a little plane taking his parents on holiday which dramatically crashes into a cartoon mountain and we get to learn all about the disasters that befall James Bond's parents and wow. his travel from his lovely childhood home to this horrible boarding school in England and we do that all through the opening title all set that's to the fantastic. jaunty tunes of Noah and the Whale. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's the position of lightheartedness and grief. <laughs> yeah. I was really worried you were going to say, like, you, you pull out, like, one of the tabs in the book and it's, like, a naked lady dancing, like, projected onto or something, you know, in, in the classic Bond way. <laughs> but I'm glad you didn't, you know, that wouldn't have been in keeping with what I think you've described as the theme so far. <laughs> I love that idea of baby Bond as well, like, Seeing yeah. his mummy and daddy off 
the other the other thing that I thought of was you know a really like naff animation where you can see all the puppet strings going around like you've got the little plane and the little skiers going around but you can also see sort of strings like very very sort of high on the mountain um, mm. sound of music lonely goat kind of kind of scene <laughs> lovely this is all a very unconventional bond film that you're building here <laughs> yeah it is yeah. barbara <laughs> broccoli would kill me in my sleep i think if <laughs> <laughs> Not anywhere near her desk. You know, Barbara Broccoli, fair play to her. She's had the chance to decide all these films, but, you know, Robert's turn now. Move over, Babs. <laughs> <laughs> Barbara is actually our guest on episode three. I know, start another, start another feud. Just clarify for me, who, who is your choice to sing the theme? Oh, it's a difficult one. Because I've much more thought about the vibe of song rather than the artist. Let me mm. let me have a quick think. Luckily, luckily this isn't live. No, it is. <laughs> We're actually broadcasting right now on uh, Radio Four. Oh, the Queen's oh. listening. <laughs> Radio Four, you wish. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> One day. You know what? I'm gonna I'm gonna go with Vampire Weekend. That's what I'm gonna say. Vampire oh, Weekend. Okay. As soon as I said no on the whale out loud, I didn't like it. No. And I think that's because it's got those kind of like clean guitars that it can be a bit nice in the childhood, but they also have the ability to go dark as as the animation progresses. Then they can kind of like go that extra level. Yeah, definitely. What kind of song is it going to be? Is it? Are you going to go for this happy, jolly sing along? Yeah, it's going to be so jolly. But the whole title sequence is going to be miserable, apart from the song, which is going to get you up dancing. Well, this is what I've been campaigning for for the last however many years. I love an an upbeat Bond theme. I loved Chris Cornell, you know my name, and I loved Wings. Um, another way to die. I really like another way to die. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, live and let die as well. Big live and let. Die, of course, not so much die another day. Yeah, the way I said about that, the better. It's still fun though, isn't it? It's still fun. Kind of fell into that sort of mid noughties chasm, didn't it? Where it was just a little bit, I don't even know what the word for it is, be a little bit techno, but it just doesn't yeah. work. It was so cool to be techno in 2002 though, wasn't it? That is the most middle-aged thing I've ever said. <laughs> we've talked about watching Bond on VHS and we've talked about Madonna being too techno. <laughs> Please don't put that in the cut. <laughs> <laughs> you can go any level on this podcast, I guess, in terms of deciding like how you want your film to be. I would say, Robert, you've gone in like full on. I, I, in my head, I can feel the vibe of the film. I can, you know, I can really picture it quite vividly, what's going on. Is there anything else you want to like add in at this point? Like a, a good thing to work from with Pick and Wes Anderson for the director again, where Willem Dafoe came from with the ensemble cast, was that of course um, I had to find room for Bill Murray somewhere. <laughs> yeah. I thought <laughs> Yeah. Because <laughs> at first I thought, could that be a fun that could be a fun villain. But then I thought mm. about Bill Murray's nature and his ability to, you know, be especially now a bit of a a bit of a father figure, but like a bit dismissive and a bit sarcastic. And I just thought Q disguised as an alcoholic woodwork teacher would be <laughs> perfect. <laughs> He so turns like the, the thing on the vice and like the, the table turns upside down and it's got like all the gadgets on it. 
yeah. And I was thinking, you know, those, um, you know, in Toy Story 2, when the guy comes in to fix Woody up and he's got those crazy magnifying glasses with his like four different levels to them, and all the different lenses snap down. I was like, we've got yeah. a big headpiece or something for Bill Murray to wear too, um, just so he can look as eccentric as we need him to be. <laughs> <laughs> and he's got a little bit of gin hidden under the woodwork desk at all times. Um, one of my good friends is a is a woodwork teacher actually, so no, but no, no disrespect to techie teachers across the nation. Um, it's a stereotype we're working with. Um, I'm a new this is a chance, really, to kind of rebrand woodwork for the for the new generation. You're right. All of a sudden, woodwork I mean, woodwork's going to be sexy. <laughs> <laughs> Anything Bill Murray does is sexy. <laughs> So I was thinking, like, I was, I'd actually struggled to come up with, with gadgets, but I did think it would be quite funny for him to have a classic schoolboy slingshot at some point. Um, I don't know what else it could do. A grapple hook on it or something, I don't know. But maybe the pool of it is just that it's, it's classic. It's really? And also, also made of wood, so perfect for Bill Murray. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, because his only his only friend in the whole school is um, his woodwork teacher. I mean, does Eaton have a woodwork teacher? I don't know. <laughs> Who's ever gone to Eaton and become a carpenter? <laughs> Maybe we should reach out to the tech, techie department and just see uh, exactly what's going on there. Yeah. I'm, I'm picturing an x-ray slingshot. You know, you ping it back and then it like throws up this like sheet or something that like unfolds as it's going and then it lands on the wall and you can see through the wall. Maybe that's how he smuggles maps of like restricted areas of the school. You know, he's just got them in little pellets and he just shoots it against the wall. Yeah, yeah. He's like, here's the plan. And he's like, <laughs> Timothy Chalamet sounds kind of like Sean Connery. Yeah, I wonder why he's playing it as Sean Connery. <laughs> we really didn't expect it, but he brought it. So you've talked about gadgets, you've talked about uh, locations we already mentioned Eton the one obviously a big one is the Bond car I suppose someone that age maybe is not going to have a car ah, henchmen but. stuff like that <laughs> oh but but we have a car <laughs> one of my ideas for um, Zandaya's character was that the headmaster of the school could potentially be her father oh. and for for whatever for whatever reason I didn't really work out many many plot details. It was all kind of based on set pieces. James As Bond a good Bond film is. So for whatever reason, James Bond has to sneak into the headmaster's house. I don't know. I don't know why, but there's a nighttime scene, and he has to sneak into this grand mansion. Of course, who's going to turn up? But Will Poulter's burly henchman. And James Bond has to evade and fight them in order to escape. Where does he find himself? Rolling into the garage of our headmaster's home. And what is sitting there in the garage? Of course, it's going to be an Aston Martin DB5. I wanted to come up with a different car, believe me. I wanted to find something else. But it's just too beautiful a machine to not put into a film that is aiming to be aesthetically pleasing. <laughs> it definitely fits uh, the vibe of like the Eaton headmaster would drive a DB5, I think. Maybe you could get Bill Murray to fit it out with some like wooden tires or something. 
<laughs> screwdrivers everywhere. Screwdrivers, yeah. <laughs> it's like sander and boot for some reason. Yeah, yeah. Instead of like oil on the road, he just like lets out loads of sawdust. <laughs> God, this is like, I mean, not that, you know, I didn't have any expectations at all, but this is incredibly well thought out, detailed, you know, I'm really loving it. I did get a little bit excited. <laughs> Great. Perfect. I know I can really I can really see this film coming together and I can't wait to go and watch it although I've already know how it ends so you've spoiled it for us already. <laughs> yeah. Did I say how Zend- it ended? Zendaya's M. Oh, but there's another secret ending. Oh. Okay, you mean you got to tell us now. So <laughs> I forgot this was my main bit. This was another funny bit of casting. I can't believe I've not mentioned this. So the headmaster the headmaster is not um, it's not Zandaya's father, oh. but is in fact her mother. This this came because um, <laughs> a twist from five minutes ago in the podcast when you said it was fine. <laughs> this sounds like this sounds like a second can of beer decision. Yeah, <laughs> this, is actually, this is actually my my fourth. <laughs> but yeah, the, the reason that I decided to go with a headmistress instead of a headmaster was because the only person I could think of to play a headmaster in this role was Ray Fiennes and I decided to just get him as far away from this as possible. I've already been in a couple of Bond films. I didn't want, I didn't want him anywhere near it. This is a rebrand. He's had his time. So I have gone for the headmistress character is going to be played by the formidable Tilda Swinton. Of course. Course, who else for a Wes Anderson film? <laughs> um, and so she she'll appear again at various points throughout the film. Um, maybe Bond's get got himself in some trouble. She's there to reprimand him and also give him a bit of life advice. And in the ending, whenever all the dust is settled and Will Poulter's packed his bags and the janitor's locked in the boiler cupboard somewhere, um, Tilda Swinton's going to talk about how. Bond discovered some secret gadgets in her house and in her car. And she's going to say, I'm going to recommend you for a special program, Bond. And I've only ever recommended six other pupils for this. (laughs) And? Okay. (laughs) And And then it ends. And 007 is born. And he drives right. off on his Aston Martin with a little <laughs> learner plate on the side. <laughs> uh, yeah, Fraser, I'm going to ask you now to recap Robert's dream James Bond film. Robert's dream <laughs> James Bond movie. It is directed by Wes Anderson. And it stars as James Bond, the man himself, 007, as Timothy Chalamet. Lovable co-star, of course, would be not love interest. We're not talking Bond girls here, but Actually, it's not a Bond girl at all. The twist is that it's M, and that's played by Zendaya. Villains, you've got a wee multitude of villains here. You've got Will Poulter as the main villain, the school bully type person. Of course, that's what I should have said, is that this is all set in a Wes Anderson style of Eton College or Eton School, whatever it's called. So, yeah, you've got your main villain as Will Poulter as the school bully, and you've got Willem Dafoe as the crazy janitor. Um, singing your theme tune, you have Vampire Weekend, you have Bill Murray as Q, 
uh, and also as the alcoholic woodwork teacher. And then for a car, we're going for the classic Aston Martin DB5. You can't really go for much else, can you? That's just a great car. It's just, it just screams out Bond. You've cast Tilda Swinton as Zendaya's mother and the headmistress of this school. The ending of the film, Tilda Swinton turns the camera and goes, I've only given six other pupils this opportunity. You are the 007th. <laughs> yeah. We've only really got one thing left to ask you then, Robert. And oh, no. this is something we haven't prepared you for on purpose. But what do you think the title of your Bond film would be? Yeah, I really struggled. I really, really struggled with this. Um, there was lot. There was lots of cheesy titles floating around, like "Back to School." Um, <laughs> I really wanted to come up with something that had a good James Bond hit, like "You for Your Eyes Only" or "You Only Live Twice" or "No Time to Die" or something like that. I was thinking uh, the woodwork is not enough. <laughs> That's fucking brilliant. <laughs> I love it. Something like that, yeah, or not enough. Like, maybe like grades are not enough or school's not enough, something like that. Yeah. The not I'm, enough tag is going to be it. I'm really, going to go with Stuart's recommendation there. If the listeners at home are screaming out a suggestion, please just tweet us or send us on Instagram, buildabond007, send your suggestions for Robert's Bond film's title. Absolutely, yeah, please do. And please send any questions that we can pass on to Robert as well. Robert, you've got, um, you, I mean, you've got a, a radio show yourself. Tell us a little bit about yeah. that. Yeah, so a couple of months ago, a community radio station started up quite close to my home, actually, on Victoria Road. The radio station's called Radio Buena Vida. So far, my show has really just been about just putting some music that I like together and doing a little bit of presenting, talking a little bit about the songs. I've called it Afternoon Skive. So um, the sort of theme of the show is just to take a bit of a break from working from home, whatever you're doing, just kind of chill out, listen to some music. But hopefully, um, hopefully in the new year, I'm going to start looking to see if anybody wants to come on, maybe some local artists and stuff to do some interviews. And Amazing. I've actually, I have, I've actually listened to the show and it's fantastic. The, your, your music choices are, are great. Didn't hear any Vampire Weekend, though. <laughs> no, trust me. Pulling Vampire Weekend out of thin air there. I don't know where that came from. That was a lightning strike of inspiration. <laughs> Robert, where can people hear the, the show? Um, so if you go to bueno, Buena Vida, that is B-U-E-N-A-V-I-D-A dot co dot UK, the broadcast on Wednesdays, Fridays, and Saturdays. So you can also follow my show's Instagram page at radio.roberto and that's where you'll find sort of updates and stuff about um, when the next show might be on. At radio.roberto. I still don't <laughs> want to call you Roberto. <laughs> well, I guess the only thing left to say is uh, thank you very much, Robert, for being a guest on the podcast. We've really, really loved having you. I had a lot of fun um, brainstorming these ideas and uh, I'm just disappointed that I can't watch the film now. Brilliant. Well, thanks again, Robert. It's been a pleasure seeing you, as always. Uh, keep in touch, and we'll see you soon. Cheers, guys. The woodwork is not enough. I enjoyed that, Stuart. Very good. 
set the tone uh, for future episodes by coming up with terrible puns for, for the name. <laughs> I didn't see that coming. It caught me off guard at the time. Makes us seem funnier than we actually are. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> but what a great film, though. I know, it was great. And you know what I mean by like it being so specific? It's very, very well mapped out, isn't it? Yeah, and now, I think as we talked about in the episode, I'm quite a big Wes Anderson fan. I know you're not necessarily a massive fan, but that's the good thing about picking Wes Anderson as your director, is you basically got your cast already picked out for you in the most part. A lot of these actors, uh, Bill Murray, obviously Tilda Swinton, they're in every Wes Anderson film, so so you know they're going to sign up straight away. But I loved his other picks, and I loved his picks for the kind of younger cast of, of these new upstart Bonds. Yeah, like you say, I'm I'm not I'm not the world's biggest Wes Anderson fan. I know he's got a huge, huge fan base out there, and don't get me wrong, I do love his films. I think Isle of Dogs is fantastic, and I think um, Fantastic Mr. Fox, amazing, uh, Grand Budapest Hotel, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. I do like the films. I'm not against them, and I, and I do like the idea of this film, the Eaton Set Schoolhouse version of James Bond with Timothy Chalamet as the man. I like that. Yeah, I, I like that too as well. And, you know, if you heard that out of context, Timothy Chalamet as, as Bond, you would think, hmm, strange choice. But in the world that Robert created, this, this Wes Anderson Eaton schoolscape, it, it fits perfectly. Mm, yeah, definitely. And it, it must have been fun for Robert to come up with those Wes Anderson cast members, like Willem Dafoe as the janitor's genius. I know. It's, yeah, exactly right. Once you picked Wes Anderson, it must have just opened up this world of, of so many possibilities and it, and it was so much fun to talk through with Robert. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Bill Murray is Q. Brilliant. Yeah. <laughs> <We've worked> each <laughs> that is uh, an inspired choice. And yeah, and it does make you think about uh, who Bond's teachers would have been at school that turned him into the man you know, as we know him today. Yeah, that's true. Maybe that so could I be suppose- one of the titles. Lessons to Kill. <laughs> yeah. Damn, I wish I'd said that at the time. Yeah, how many months have you had to think that up? <laughs> I know. I would watch that film. Would you watch that film? I would watch that, yeah. I think so. Um, I think I just like the idea of a James Bond film being Wes Anderson. I just think that's a great idea. Yeah. Not so, so I... sure about Vampire Weekend, though. No, and I, I feel a little bit bad because we did sort of put Robert on the spot a little bit with that. He hadn't really thought of that beforehand so he was kind of pulling out of thin air but fits into the style of, of the of the film anyway yeah it's not too gross gross get it <laughs> <laughs> that's my tenuous link to bring back the trivia question yes so you've had five minutes to, to think about this trivia question i asked you at the start of the episodes what were the highest grossing james bond films adjusted for inflation and you have come up with some answers Yes, I've had a good long think about this and I'm stuck between four. You said there's three, but I'm, I'm saying there's four. Well, the reason I picked out three is because, because this is all, you know, a little bit subjective and you can calculate it in slightly different ways depending on what rates of inflation and blah, 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 et cetera, et cetera, you use. There are lists that put the order slightly differently, but in every list I've looked at, the same three have come out top. So it's a little bit subjective to say exactly which order they come out in, but it seems to be the general consensus that these three are top, which is why I went for three. I was just going to ask you, actually, what, what rate of inflation were you using? Because that will affect what I've calculated here. No, I didn't, I, 
uh, I didn't calculate this myself. I've used a list that's on the Forbes website. Forbes, okay. Well, that's they're, they're trust- quite they're quite high profile. They're trustworthy guys. Yeah. Okay, right. My 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 answers for the top three highest grossing films, uh, James Bond films, adjusted for inflation, are Skyfall. Yes, Skyfall is number one. Thought that the Spy Who Loved Me. No, unfortunately, it's not uh, on this list. I'm looking at that's way down at number sixteen. My reasoning for this guess then is that it was almost the millennium and there was a big thing about the boat chase on the oh. Thames ending up at the Millennium Dome. And that I think it might be the world is not enough. No. No? <laughs> no. Okay, this is, you've got me here with this one. This is a difficult one. Yeah. Last ditch attempt, I'm going to say Goldeneye. Now, no, that, <laughs> it's not. And you've gone for... The last couple of ones, you've, you've gone for more modern ones yeah. because for the reasons you've explained. But actually, you need to go further back, way, way further really? back. Really? Yeah. Are we looking at blooming David Niven's Casino Royale or something? No, no, no. <laughs> People are going to be screaming at their podcast apps right now. Well, let them scream. It's Goldfinger. Goldfinger. Yeah. Goldfinger, Thunderbolt. man. Yeah, exactly. The three, the top three, in varying orders, are Thunderball, Goldfinger, and Skyfall. And it was a bit unfair. You didn't have a lot of time to think about that, but well, you know, us... hold my hands up. I've put you in a lot of sticky situations with these questions, so yeah, that's true. I've had some pretty tough ones, so it was my chance to get a bit of revenge. But let us know at home if you managed to get the answers to that. We would be very impressed if you did. It's uh, Build a Bond Double O Seven. That's on Twitter and Instagram. Let us know if you've got any better suggestions than The Woodwork is Not Enough for Robert's film title or Lessons yes. to Kill. Yeah, Lessons. <laughs> Let us know if you can think of better ones than that. We really hope you can. It's good, good to listen back to that uh, classic from the archives and uh, looking forward to next week's. Bye. See you later.